Okay, welcome to the Believer's School of Ministry. This is the uh, <clears throat> third lesson in our teaching series. It's called Building a Foundation for Faith. And if you happen to be watching this on YouTube or wherever, the teaching notes are available on our website at tomshanklin.org. So be sure to get those. It'll help you a lot to um, see what we're doing. Okay, we're in uh, Spring Grove, Minnesota. Where it never snows, hardly ever. And uh, it's great to be with you. <laughs> yeah, don't lie. Thou shalt not lie. All right, the purpose of this teaching is to build a strong foundation for faith from the Word of God so that we can be secure and confident in our faith and be able to present a strong witness for Christ. You know, our goal is to be witnesses for the Lord. But how many know if you've got a weak foundation, it's hard to build a strong house? Amen? And our scripture there says, If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Psalm 11.3. And we're living in a time when the foundations are being destroyed in our nation, around the world. Uh, we used to have a, a nation that was built on biblical truth, and a lot of those things are being eroded uh, all around us. And sad to say, even in the church, the institutional church in America, in many instances the foundations are crumbling, people are falling for false doctrines, um, following the ideas, plans, and philosophies of man rather than the Word of God. Amen? And we gotta, we've got to build on the rock if we want to be strong, if we want to be stable. So, uh, one time I built a house on some poles. Actually, it was about 10 miles from here. Dugan's heard this story so many times he's getting tired of it. But uh, up in Blackhammer Township, I built a house and we didn't have a lot of money, very little. We actually built the house originally for $500, so you can imagine. But we built it on poles. Some of them were, I think, railroad ties. Some of them were just big pieces of, of a tree, you know, a trunk. And uh, <clears throat> and we built the house and it got up pretty high. And it just, after a while, it just looked like it was going to fall down the hill because it was sort of built this way with the uh, all the weight towards the downhill side. And I really was concerned that one day that thing was going to just fall over. And actually some of those poles, I think, were leaning too. So anyway, I had a good friend who helped me to dig underneath that house and pour a concrete foundation. And that house, as far as I know, it's still standing today. You know, it's been a few years and it's... Uh, well, it's not a perfect house, but it's, it's standing strong because why? It has a good foundation. And that's what we need in our Christian life. We've got to have a strong foundation. So it occurs to me that we've got several foundations that we can um, classify, look at in the Word of God. Number one, the foundation of Jesus Christ. That's the foundation the church is built on, the foundation of Jesus the Rock. And then secondly, the foundation of hearing and doing the Word of God. Jesus talked about if we hear His Word and do it, we'll be building our house on the rock. If we ignore what He says, then we will have, be building our house on the sand. 
And then we want to talk a little bit about the foundation of the apostles. What did the apostles say that we need as a foundation in our life? And then finally, which is closely related to that, the foundation of the doctrines of Christ in Hebrews chapter 6 and the very first few uh, verses there. Uh, These are things that are needed in the church today. They're needed in Christians' lives to have these foundations. So, if y'all could help me, uh, could someone look up the first one, Matthew 16? Uh, Robert, you want to take that one? And uh, 1 Corinthians 3.11, Dugan. And Acts 4.11 and 12, can someone take that one? Let's go around the table. Okay. Virginia, would you mind reading that one? Uh, Acts 4, 11, and 12. And uh, Isaiah 28, 16. Teresa, can you read that one for us? Isaiah what? 28, 16. It's in the notes there. And uh, Psalm 62, 2. Judy. And we got enough for everybody here. Proverbs 28, 26, Carol. And Luke 18, 9 through 14. I don't know if we're going to be able to do all the verses in this teaching, but I thought we'd do these this first bunch anyway here. And just, just read them quickly, and then I'll share briefly. But th- these scriptures, these first bunch is about Jesus the rock, okay? Uh, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying... Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. And Peter means rock. And Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Not really so much Peter, although it was Peter, he was the main leader, but the revelation that he had. That's what really the foundation is. The foundation is faith in Jesus Christ. That's the rock. Amen. So, okay. Um, 1 Corinthians uh, 3.11. For other foundation can no man lay that then that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So he not only is the foundation, he's the only foundation. Uh, Acts 4, 11 and 12. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there, is there salvation in, in, in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. The only name that we can be saved by. Isaiah twenty-eight sixteen. Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. 
All right, will not act hastily. I'm trying to remember. How's the King James reading that? Anybody remember? Will not. Somebody look that up for me in the in the King James. But anyway, he is a cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believes in him will not make haste. I believe it says in the King James. And so there is our strength. It's in Jesus Christ. He's saying, behold, this is a prophecy from the Old Testament. I'm going to lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone. Amen. Something you can build on. Someone you can build on. Jesus Christ. All right? Psalm uh, 62.2. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. He is my rock. I'm not going to be moved. Amen? And so it's by putting our trust in the Lord that we get anchored down to that foundation. Amen? So no matter what, you know, maybe our doctrine's all messed up. We, we have so many questions, but we believe in Jesus. Amen? The testimony I was going to share, I mentioned earlier, and I wanted to share uh, in the teaching here, there was a, a man in uh, a college professor and I heard this testimony, I don't know him personally, but I heard it from another minister. And he was a college professor in, a, in a, a university. And one year he had a teaching assistant, you know, like graduate teaching assistant came to help him. And uh, so then he asked her out for lunch. And I guess he wanted to date her or get to know her. But anyway, so he took her out to lunch and they're sitting there getting ready for lunch and she bows her head and prays. And he said, oh, you're not one of them, are you? <laughs> and she says, yes, I'm, I'm a Christian. Okay, so then he just spent the next several days and weeks to try to convince her that this Christianity stuff was crazy and he's using all these intellectual arguments about how the Bible's not true and, and, and all this philosophy and things like that. And you know, so she's in kind of a tough situation. You know, she's a new, newborn Christian. She didn't really know that much. But she says, well, I don't know about all that. I just know that Jesus changed my life. <laughs> and he kept it up and worked on her and worked on her. And she just kind of kept saying the same thing. Well, I don't know about all that, but I know that Jesus changed my life. Well, finally, this college professor came to church with her. And you know what? There was an altar call and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. <laughs> and became a pastor. <laughs> has been a pastor for over 30 years. Amen. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Yeah. And it's good to have arguments to, you know, to uh, refute the lies of the devil that come through people. But the greatest argument of all is, hey, my heart's been changed. I'm different than I, than I was before. I know that Jesus died for me. My sins are forgiven. It's real to me. He's real to me. Praise God. And he's a sure foundation. All right. Proverbs 28, 26. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but who So really, it, that's conversion, right? It's trusting not in your own heart, but trusting in the Lord, putting your trust in, in Him. And that's, a, that's an ongoing process, too, in the Christian life. All right, and then we are not to trust in our own righteousness. Luke 18, uh, 9 through 14. 
So the story is about two men that went to pray. One fellow said, Lord, I thank you, I'm a pretty good guy. You know, I fast twice a week, I've got all these things going, I'm really spiritual, Lord. And so I'm glad to be here with you. The other fellow said, smote his breast, it says, and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, that's the one that went home justified rather than the other. Now, the word justified means made righteous. Interestingly, where he says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, I just learned that that word merciful is related to the word propitiation, which means substitution. Propitiation is a big word, but it's in the King James a couple places, I believe. It talks about how Jesus satisfied the claims of justice against us by dying on the cross. So that's God's mercy. It's also used concerning the mercy seat, the propitiation seat. So anyway, he's saying, I need your mercy. I need you to take care of my sin. And that's how he was saved. So salvation is trusting in what he did instead of what you did. And that's kind of an ongoing thing too because God does call, call us to holiness but we can always get in that trap of saying, well, I'm, I'm doing pretty good now. I'm saved by my how good I did this last week, you know. <laughs> Justify means what? Justify means to be made righteous. We literally, through, through Christ, we literally are made righteous because we are given a gift of righteousness through him. That's why it's so exciting to be saved. Praise God. All right, let's go on to, to the... Um, foundation of hearing and doing the word of God. You guys are doing so good reading. Why don't you just pick up and Matthew uh, 7 here and 2 Timothy 2.19 Dugan and uh, <clears throat> uh, Hebrews 13 uh, Virginia and Joshua 1 8 and 9 uh, Teresa and Hebrews 10 35 and 36 Judy alright uh, beginning with Matthew 7 21 through 27 please read out good and loud so we can get it on the, on the uh, video not everyone who says to me Lord Lord shall enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does and does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not uh, prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Okay, and uh, <clears throat> I must not have got the other part in, doesn't it? Yeah, go it on? goes on. I was just uh, checking. Okay. Okay, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken them to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on them on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock 
But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be likened a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rain descends and the flood come and the winds blow and beat on that house. And it fell and, it, and great was its fall. So notice that the, the winds and the rains came to both houses, right? And troubles and difficulties come to all our lives. But the question is, are we built on the rock so that our house will stand? Jesus said the way to be built on the, on the rock is to hear the word and put it into practice in your life. Amen. Now let me give you, this isn't in the notes, but let me give you four different ways to relate to the word of God. Okay? Number one, you can relate to the word of God. I'm talking mostly in your personal life now. I'm not really talking about preaching or teaching here, but in your own personal life, you can relate to the word of God by reading it. Reading it. I believe every Christian should have a time with the Lord. Amen. Time to be with the Lord and read and absorb his word. Okay? So we can read the word. Number two, we can study the word. You know, I read through the the New Testament and I'm reading through the Old Testament too all the time. You know, just through it. You know, one book after another. But then I take time to study. Now, when I got to Hebrews this time, I started reading, and I got to about the sixth chapter, and it was like the Lord says, no, you're going too fast here on this one. Take time to study it. So now I go back and study the book of Hebrews. So what do you do when you study? Well, you look at scriptures that compare with other scriptures in there. The best commentary on the Bible is the Bible itself. So when I see a thought in there, I think about, well, where, where are some of the other scriptures? If you have like a Thompson Chain Bible, you can look up subjects. Uh, you can study words You have a, in a concordance. You can also look up words, uh, look into the original languages and find out what the words mean. Uh, you can study, you know, in various ways, compare and just dig into it. So that's the second way is to study. And the third way is to meditate it. So you read it, but then also meditate it. When you meditate it, it helps to get it in your heart. That means to think about it and ponder it and picture it working in your life. Picture God's healing power working in your life. Picture God's holiness working in your life. Picture his love flowing out when you go into a shop. That's meditation. It's, it's applying it practically in your heart. And then the final thing is to live it out, to practice it. Okay? So those are ways to relate to the Word of God. All right, we're talking about the foundation of hearing and doing the Word of God. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his... And let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So there again, you see, the, the foundation's there. The question is, are we on it? <laughs> so he says, uh, the foundation stands sure having this seal. The Lord knows those that are his. You know, the Lord knows our hearts. He knows if we've given our heart to him. Amen. Amen. And let everyone that names the name of Christ... Depart from iniquity. To me, that means make a choice on a regular basis to turn away from sin. 
And you know, as Christians, sometimes we get the, the big non-Christian sins out of the way. You know, we quit smoking, drinking, chewing, and running. But then there's other things, you know. I see in the scripture he wants to dig a little deeper, amen. He wants to get bitterness out and, and some maybe some coarse talking or different things. He digs a little deeper into our hearts and he's progressively perfecting us. That's a work of God in our lives. All right, it's Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. I love this verse, these verses. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do under me. Praise God. Don't, don't be covetous. You know, covetousness is because we think our needs aren't going to be met by God. (laughs) He says, because the Lord has said, I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. I want you to notice he said something. And then it says, so that we may say something. Now, that's that that's the confession of God's word. That's one of the strongest things in my life. When I was early in the ministry, I met a man named Bob Boose. And his, it was one of the strongest areas in his ministry was the confession of God's Word. And he gave me cards, these scripture cards with all these scriptures on them about healing and about power over the devil and things like that. And you just take those scriptures and, and confess them. But you notice how it works there. He says, he has said, so that we may say. He didn't actually say exactly the same thing that God said, but yet he did. God said he'll never leave me nor forsake me so that I may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I shall not fear what man shall do unto me. So see, that's a confession based on the word of God. That builds strength in you when you say that. You know, when you say something based on the word of God. Amen. There's so much power, so much strength in that. That'll enable you to be strong and to be built on the rock all the days of your life. Joshua 1, 8 and 9. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Praise the Lord. So here's an Old Testament scripture. He says the book of the law. Of course, that's the first. He's talking there about the first five books of the Bible. The the books of Moses, but it applies to the whole word of God. Don't let it depart out of your mouth means always be speaking it. Always be speaking the word of God. Don't let it depart out of your mouth, but meditate in that word of God day and night. That what? That you may observe to do. See, there again, that's a, that's a foundational truth. Building on the rock is doing the word. When you put that into practice, you're building strength in your life day after day. And then it says, and who's going to make your way prosperous? According to that verse? I know we always say he. And that's true. But what's the scripture actually say there? 
Huh? It says you will. You will make your way prosperous. How? By lining up with him. Does that make sense? He said you will make your way prosperous. What? When? When you keep speaking the word, keep meditating the word, keep living the word, you will make your way prosperous. You will have good success. How many want to have success? Now, I know sometimes we th- when we hear the word success, then we think worldly success. But it's much more than that. You know, the Lord showed me what success is. You know what success is? Being like Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. But the Lord will give you wisdom in the affairs of life, too. You know, he'll help you on your job. If, you have a, if you're called to be in business, he'll help you with that. Called to be in ministry, he'll help you with that. If you're called to be a witness, which we all are, he'll help you with that. So good success. Build on the rock. Amen. Speak the word. Meditate there in day and night. Observe to do it. And you'll have good success. All right, what's next here? The foundation of the apostles in the early church. All right. Um, Let's see, who's next? Carol, can you look up uh, Acts 2? Okay. Hebrews. Hebrews 10. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Hebrews 10, we're, I'm jumping ahead here. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. When we go through difficulties, the temptation is to cast away our confidence. He says, don't do that. You know, stick in there because after you've done the will of God, you'll receive the promise. Uh, Receiving the promise requires patience. So don't cast away your confidence. And confidence is one of the most important things in witnessing too. Now, let's talk about the foundation of the apostles in the the early church. Uh, Carol... Acts 2, 37 through 42, if you can get that ready. And the, the Bible speaks of the church being built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So we've already talked about Jesus, the cornerstone. But here he talks about the, apostle, the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Now... Um, we know who the apostles are, right? Those are the, the main leaders in the early church. Okay, There's also apostles today. But there's the apostles of the Lamb, which were the ones that were with him. And so these are foundational, foundation-laying ministries. Okay, They're very important. Now the prophets, uh, there's New Testament prophets, and there's also Old Testament prophets. You could really say that the predominant ministry in the Old Testament... The strongest ministry and predominant ministry in the Old Testament was the prophets. Mm -hmm. The predominant ministry in the New Testament is the apostles. So, I mean, you know, this scripture is interpreted different ways, but you could kind of see this as the Old Testament and the New Testament because the prophets of the Old Testament are foundational because they prophesied about Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to come. But then the apostles in the early church... They laid a foundation, too, that is very, very necessary. Okay? So let's hear now Peter laying a foundation. This is Peter's first sermon after he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Can you read it good and loud, Carol? Now when they heard this, 
they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the disciples, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received the word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Praise God. Save yourself from this crooked generation. The good word for us today. And I thank God that he said, This promise is unto you, your children, to all that are far off, and even to as many as the Lord our God shall call, even in Spring Grove, and even wherever you live, those that are watching by video. It's for everybody. Amen. So, here's these folks in Jerusalem. They had crucified Jesus. They had killed the Son of God. And there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and they said, what in the world is going on? because they they heard him speaking in languages that they knew they didn't know. And the sign of God got their attention. And they asked, what's going on? Then Peter stood up and preached, and he told them about the work of the Holy Spirit. And then he began to preach Jesus, and he said that Jesus had died and he had risen again. So he gave them a gospel message. And when he preached to them and told them that what they had done, they had crucified the Son of God, that said they were convicted in their heart. That's one of the things that happens when a person comes close to God, hears his word, they become convicted of their sin. And so they were convicted and they said, what shall we do? Okay, so here's the apostle Peter. Remember, Jesus said, upon this rock I'll build my church. You could kind of relate that here, okay? What did Peter say that they should do? What was the foundation that he said that they needed in their lives, okay? Well, there's three things in Acts 2.38. Number one, repent. All right? Turn away from your sin. That's your... That's your salvation. That's what we talked about in the first lesson. That's repenting and believing in Jesus. He's telling them, repent. Some people say, well, that just means change your mind and kind of believe in Jesus. No, it means to turn around. It means to make a choice to live for God. That's what repentance means. Yeah, it's changing your mind about sin and, and living for the Lord. So he said, repent, turn around, and be what? baptize every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. In other words, have water baptism, identify with Christ in water baptism. Baptism means to immerse. We'll talk about that in a minute. But they were immersed in water. It said uh, 3,000 were baptized. Praise God. That's pretty good for a first sermon there. He had good results. Those guys must have been tired that evening when they went to bed, right? So they baptized 3,000 people. So repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, washing away of sins, getting rid of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
And the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you to be witnesses. And we're going to talk about that the next time I'm here. Okay? You'll receive the gift. So those three things are the foundation. I believe we could say those are the foundation of the apostles. And it relates closely to what we're going to talk about in uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 6 also. Okay. And then after they were baptized, then they continued steadfastly in... And we won't go into depth on this, but the Apostles' Doctrine, which is the teaching of the Word. Uh, number two, fellowship. How I many know oh, we need fellowship, sharing in common with other believers? Uh, breaking bread, the communion meal, which I've encouraged you here to have regularly because that's important to remember Jesus, what he did. And uh, finally, prayers, talking to God. If he's your friend, talk to him. Amen. I remember when I was first became a Christian, just right down the street here, we would have meetings at the meat locker. Uh, Danny Bohan had a, had a business down here. And we would have Bible studies there and different things. I can remember standing in a circle with other Christians, just holding hands and praying. That's really where I learned to, to pray and to pray with others, you know. That's very important. So, okay, finally, the foundations of the doctrine of Christ... Hebrews chapter 6, uh, verses 1 through 3. Let's go over there. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, principles, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation. Okay, so now we're going to learn what the foundation is. So the exhortation here for them was to go on from these basic things. Uh, there's something here to me that, that gives me a greater light on this scripture, though, where it says here, laying again. Uh, the word in the Greek is, uh, if I can pronounce it right, katabalo. Katabalo. It means to cast down. So we could say here, don't cast down the foundation. In other words, yes, we're to go on to perfection, but we always have those foundations. We're to grow in other things, but don't forget the foundation. Amen? Because you can get out here with all the deepest and most wonderful revelation, but if you don't have these foundational things working, amen, then, you know, things are going to crumble underneath you. Amen? These are very, very important. Now, the sad thing to me is, as I observe the church, the institutional church, many churches are not preaching these basic foundational things right here. You know, they're not, and this is, this is like kindergarten or first grade. But it's not being taught, and that's why the church is so weak. It's because it has no foundation. It has to be taught from the pulpit, and the people have got to get this, these things in their heart. It's got to be a part of their lives. Okay, what is that foundation? Okay, number one, repentance from dead works, sinful deeds, you might say. You were dead. It says in Ephesians 1, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Those are works that are based on our sinful nature. 
Repentance from those things. That's the first thing he mentions. Repentance from dead works and faith towards God. In other words, faith in what God did for us through the cross of Jesus Christ. And there's some scriptures there in the notes that you can study. I know I was talking with Teresa to Teresa on the phone and she was telling me how she's taking these study notes in her daily devotional time and just looking them up and reading them. That's the way you're going to get the most out of this class is not just by listening to me, but just take these notes and use them as a study guide and meditate those scriptures and get them inside of you. So there's several scriptures there uh, about repentance that make it very clear that God wants, is looking for repentance from his people. And by the way, repentance is not just for the initial time that we come to the Lord. It's ongoing. In case you didn't know that. And faith towards God, of course, Ephesians 2.8 says, By grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it's the gift of God. So we're saved by faith. We don't earn our salvation. That's this foundational truths. And uh, Romans 5, 1, uh, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So faith is so, so key and so foundational. And then we have the doctrine of baptisms. Notice he uses the word baptisms, plural. There's more than one baptism. I don't know how many times I've heard people say, well, they teach in our church, or my pastor said, that, well, for example, we were baptized as infants, and therefore we got everything. We, got, we were baptized, we were baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's all taken care of, it's all done. No, that's not biblical. And I want to show you from the scriptures, there's actually three foundational baptisms. Uh, the Bible actually mentions four, a fourth one, too, uh, which is, I wouldn't really consider it part of the foundation, but it's important to know about. That's the baptism of suffering Jesus talked about. But foundational, there's three of them. Number one, baptism into the body of Christ. Now remember, baptism means immersion. You know, when someone is saved, did you know they're immersed into the body of Christ? In fact, you might be on a desert island and not have any fellowship, but you're in the body of Christ. (laughs) You are part of Christ's body. That's because that's a baptism that took place. The second one is baptism into water. That's immersion into water. It symbolizes the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. When he was died, he was buried, and then he came out of the grave. When we accept him as Lord and Savior, we're also to be buried and to come out of the grave in newness of life. Uh, I'll never forget the Lord. There was a, a, a brother that was asking for prayer, and the Lord said by prophecy, Remember your baptism. That's a very important event in your life, because you can always look back and say, Hey, I died. I was buried. Praise God. And then thirdly, the baptism or the immersion in the Holy Spirit. And we'll talk a little bit more about that next week. We'll go into depth on that. Because the Holy Spirit comes into us when we are born again. When we accept Christ, we're born again. Amen. Teresa, you have a question? No. She's praising the Lord over here. (laughs) Hallelujah. 
So, but then there's a immersion in the Holy Spirit, a greater dimension of the Spirit that's available for all of us, and that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The way that we can understand these things, these baptisms, is to think about who's doing the baptism, who's doing the baptizing, okay, and what are we being baptized into, okay? So in, in the first one, who's doing the baptism? Who's doing the work there of baptizing us? It says in 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen, For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body. Who's the baptizer? The Holy Spirit. When you're born again, the Holy Spirit puts you in the body of Christ. Now, a lot of people look at that verse and they say, that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, but let's see what, what the Word of God says about the baptism of the Holy Spirit when we get there. Okay, so then baptism in water. Who's doing the baptism? Who, who baptizes us? The Holy Spirit. In water? Well, there's a physical. But... We're talking about the physical here. Believers. Another believer or a minister? dips us into water and like you say that symbolizes the spiritual work of cutting off the old man Okay, then the baptism of the Holy Spirit who does the baptizing Holy Spirit Okay, but the scripture doesn't say that Jesus Jesus. he said uh, I baptize with water John said but he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. He went to heaven and he poured out. So Jesus really is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And what are we baptized into? What's the substance we're baptized into, you might say? Like in water, we're baptized into water. What are we baptized into? In fire. <laughs> fire? I'm looking for something. The Holy Spirit. We're baptized into the Holy Spirit. It's an immersion in the Holy Spirit. Some places in the scripture it talks about being filled. You know, it talks about rivers of living water. It's your, your, your doused in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> All right, more on that next time I'm here. All right, next foundational truth. Now think about how many churches teach regularly on the laying on of hands. But yet it says it's Christianity 101. It's the basics. Uh, Laying on of hands is used for many things in the scriptures. Number one, for healing. It says in uh, Mark chapter 16, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Uh, It's also used for the laying on of hands for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And for ordination for ministry, impartation of gifts for ordination for ministry. All right? Then the fifth foundation is uh, the resurrection from the dead. Did you know if you die before Jesus comes back, you're going to get raised up later on? Yes. Amen? And there's many scriptures for that. 1 Corinthians 15, the dead shall be raised incorruptible. Daniel says that many will rise from the dust. Jesus said, uh, those that are in the grave will hear my voice and will come up. Amen. There's going to be a resurrection of the dead. Praise God. And then finally, eternal judgment. Okay? That means everyone's either going to be with the Lord or 
in hell. Heaven or hell. Eternally. There's no way to get out of hell once you're there. There's no get out of hell card. The decision has to be made here. The scripture said, it's appointed unto man once to die. And then comes the judgment. There is no reincarnation. There is no way out once you're there. Jesus told the story about the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man ended up in hell. He said there's a great gulf between us, separates us. You cannot go from one to the other. When it's done, it's done. Now, how many think people ought to know about that? Amen. You know, people complain about hellfire and brimstone preachers. And, and you know, I think maybe it, there are those that have gotten carried away and haven't presented the love of God and that kind of thing. But still, we've got to remember, we've got to let people know there's consequences. But there's a way out through Jesus Christ. So those are basic foundational truths that we really need in the, in the church. Praise God. So, I think with that we'll conclude the teaching and then we'll go on to the exercise part depending on how much time we have. God bless you. Thanks for being with us.